Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the Sabbath day. We pray that as we begin this morning, that you will teach us what it means to be holy. So I just pray now that your Holy Spirit will be here, that you'll open our hearts to your message and to your word. I just pray that again, that you would speak through Dr. Neblet, his wife and their family as they bring your message to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. What a privilege it is to be here with you. We're very thankful for the opportunity that we have to share with you. And we are praying that as you hear us, you don't hear us. But rather you hear the one that we choose by God's grace to abide in. Because the Neblet family is, have news for you, not perfect. We are not perfect. But we want by God's grace to take the advantage of the power that he offers to every one of us to be victorious. And that is the, what we want to share with you is our struggles and, by God's grace, our victories. Yesterday we talked about the importance of revival in our personal life and some of those critical elements that are needed in order to have that growing intimacy with God today. We want to share our experience a little more in depth in the context of the marriage relationship. What does a marriage relationship look like when it is yielded to the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, Ellen White says that God intends that our marriages be an agent for the blessing of humanity. So the marriage relationship is not just meant to bring the warmth of companionship, which I pray that it does, and to provide assistance for man in accomplishing the work that God has given for him to perform for his glory, but also to increase the usefulness and the happiness of both man and wife. This is the way it was in the Garden of Eden. God wants to make our union under Jesus Christ that work that will result in our homes being the happiest place on earth, the very symbol of the home in heaven. But in order for our marriages to be all that it can be, bringing joy and fulfillment to both partners, both husband and wife, and to the children or anyone else in the home, it needs to be a marriage where each partner is fully surrendered to God and is experiencing revival and wholeness with God in his or her own life. And instead of us being driven by self and our fleshly desires, you know, the take-home message here is that a godly husband and wife are first a godly man and woman. The best gift you can give to your spouse and the best investment you can make to your marriage is seeking to become more like Jesus instead of trying to change your spouse. In Desire of Ages, page 172, we read, the Christian's life is not a modification or improvement of the old, but a transformation of nature. There is death to self and sin and a new life altogether. Romans 6, 12 through 14 says, 
Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God and those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. It is grace that is more than sufficient. When we are dealing with the challenges of life, for you know, as we share as a couple these practical illustrations today, our struggles and our victories, it is interesting that in marriage, which is one of the most intimate unions that God wants us to have, is where our greatest joy and our greatest perplexities can arise. What we want to share in the context of this, that yielding to the inclination to fulfill our selfish desires always leads to conflict and alienation. On the other hand, learning by the grace of God to surrender in the moment of temptation or trial can lead to victory, peace, fulfillment, and wholeness in our marriages. Although our main focus, however, today is to encourage married couples to cooperate with God to make their marriages all that God would have them to be, the principles that we want to share of self-denial, humility, surrender, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit will apply to everyone here. And you can benefit to them, in them, in, in the context of any relationship that you might have. Are you going on from victory unto victory in your life? Or is victory something that you are experiencing more on a hit or miss basis? Friends, God is longing to give us victory over every weakness, over every battle with the enemy, every battle with self. He is invested in our success. He has proven his love and faithfulness. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Romans 8.32. Jesus promised us the gift which he knew would make the difference between success and failure. The gift of which Ellen White says in The Desire of Ages, page 672, this promised blessing claimed by faith brings all other blessings in its train. What blessing is she talking about? The empowerment of the Holy Spirit. She says that it was the highest gift that he could solicit from the Father for the exaltation of his people. I am so excited. As I was listening to um, Pastor Finley last night and knowing the movement that is taking place in our leadership today to prepare us for the latter reign. I, we're just beside ourselves with excitement. We were listening to the um, Elder the Wilson's council. message from the annual council just on the way here in the car. And we're just rejoicing and, and praising God. And it was so consistent uh, as we were listening to that message with, with what the burden that God had put in our hearts uh, to bring to you this morning that we um, are praising God. The Spirit is a, a regenerating agent, she says. It makes the heart pure. And, quote, sin could be resisted and overcome only 
through the mighty agency of the third person of the Godhead. Do you want to become a possessor of that gift that will ensure victory in every area of your life? Do you want to have such spiritual appetite that you cannot wait to get into God's word long before the dawn breaks? Do you want to experience unity with your spouse so that your marriage can be all that God intended it to be? A blessing for the uplifting of humanity. We discussed some of the elements uh, yesterday that are crucial if you long for a living, vibrant Christian experience. We talked about the importance of saturating and renewing our minds with scripture. We talked about the power of prayer and how helpful it is to make lifestyle choices that are consistent with a vibrant spirituality, that are conducive to victory instead of creating that abyss between us and our God. The active involvement of the Holy Spirit at every step in this process is critical. And it is something that we want to dwell on and look at a little bit more in depth as we entertain the subject of, of a living experience with God that transforms not only our personal lives, but our relationships, our marriages, our parenting, and our relationships with all others. Friends, a genuine experience with God is something of the Spirit. It says in Desire of Ages, page 671, only when the truth is accompanied to the heart by the Holy Spirit will it quicken the conscience or transform the life. The Spirit can take a, a Christian experience that is stale, that is a mere formality or a mechanical process, and it can turn it into a real, living, dynamic, loving, fulfilling, saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look at what part do we have to play in becoming possessors of that gift. Well, in a very practical sense, we must not only pray for the anointing and for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but we must learn to recognize the promptings of the Holy Spirit throughout the day and learn to yield to his guidance. He must be in control of our lives. Ellen White writes about this challenge. She says, there are many who believe and proclaim belief and profess to claim the Lord's promise. They talk about Christ and they talk about the Holy Spirit, but, listen, they do not surrender the soul to be guided and controlled by the divine agencies. We cannot use the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit must use us. Our part is to learn what it means to surrender in a very practical way. That was from Desire of Ages, page 672. And he will use us if we cultivate that habit of moment-by-moment moment surrender to, to his promptings, willing to deny our selfish inclinations and to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If we are daily in the word, coming into his presence every morning as a sinner in need of a Savior, which is what every one of us is, if we are taking time to behold Christ, not just in, in a five-minute quick reading 
of a devotional thought, but tarrying in his presence, saturating our minds with the principles that address our, our very personal needs. Our growing intimacy with God will prepare us each morning to be sensitive throughout the day to hear and empowered to obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. That was the story of the life of Jesus. Jesus, who is our perfect example, was perfectly surrendered to the will of his Father every moment of every day. And as he faced the hardest choice, death on the cross, his humanity shrank from it as our humanity would shrink from it. He said, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. But then he immediately voiced his surrender. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Are we willing to follow him in that moment-by-moment surrender? He said in Matthew 16, 24, If any man will come after me, let him what? Deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Friends, we have countless opportunities to do this throughout the day, to deny ourselves and surrender to his lordship, to his guidance. Such as when the alarm, goes, alarm clock goes off in the morning at that earlier time so that we can take time with him. We have a surrender to make at that time, especially if you're not a morning person. Such as when our spouse or when our child says something that provokes self to rise in us and we want to respond in agitation. You know, the beautiful thing is he does not leave us to accomplish following him in those moments by ourselves because he knows that in our human flesh we are powerless to do that. According to Romans, we are carnal, sold under sin, naturally subject to the lusts of our flesh. But friends, Christ paid the wages of sin, not only to free us from the condemnation of the law, but to empower us, to make it possible by his grace that we can be empowered to walk in newness of life, being led of his spirit instead of being in bondage to the sinful, selfish inclinations of our flesh. So if we consent, he is willing to work in us, in us both to will, to desire, and to do the will of God, Philippians 2.13. So you see, we have a choice to make at the beginning of each day. And then we have a choice to confirm, many choices to confirm that choice we've made throughout the day. And it's a choice between the Lordship of Christ, which leads to peace and freedom. Or we can choose to manage our, our own lives and be in bondage to sin. Now, the Christian will feel the promptings of sin, for the flesh lusteth after the spirit, but the spirit lusteth against the flesh, Galatians 5.17 keeping us in a state of constant warfare. Here is where Christ's help is needed. Human weakness becoming united with divine strength and faith exclaims, thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory Amen. through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to illustrate this battle, this warfare with self from my own experience. In encountering differences of opinion, 
often occurs in relationships. How we deal with those differences of opinion makes the difference between keeping our hold on Christ or letting go. The flesh does not like to yield to anyone else's opinion, which is sometimes the case between Maria and myself. And I'm so thankful that that is less and less frequent by God's grace. We do often see things differently. Some time ago, Maria and I were discussing a situation where I saw things differently than the way that she did. A conflict arose because of a discussion that I had had earlier with our young people. We had received three invitations a few days previously to do ministry in New Mexico, where we live. Most of our ministry invitations come from much further away from home. Well, I have a special desire, and so does my family, to reach people in my backyard, so to speak, with the message that God has given us to share. So I wanted to accept these invitations without having them wait too long. Well, our children respectfully objected to this, and after we discussed it for a few minutes, it became apparent that we could not come to an agreement. We were discussing this in the car, and Maria was there, but it became very clear to me that she wasn't saying very much, that she was not agreeing with me. But she could understand where our children were coming from. Now, this issue was very important to me because I felt that my family seemed unwilling to sacrifice for the cause of God, and I was feeling agitated. That is self. And I directed my family that we should all take the time to pray about these requests before we continued our discussion. So a little while later, while our young people were in some store, I don't know what store it was, Maria and I continued the discussion further. We were still in the car, she and I, but they were gone. I realized, I began to realize that I was feeling angry. I, I wasn't shouting because she did not see things my way. Fortunately, my bride, by the grace of God, has come a long way in dealing with this selfish heart. And she shared what was in her heart instead of attacking me because of my attitude. She shared how difficult it was for her to follow my leadership when I was leading with the attitude that I was displaying. She said it very quietly. She said she was committed to following me anyway, but I was making it very difficult and very unpleasant for her to do this. <laughs> so while I'm speaking to my wife, I became aware that my rising anger was the problem and not my family insisting on having their own way. I stopped speaking for a few minutes while I started to pray for myself. I should have done that a long time before. I was praying now that I would see things as God sees them, not as I see them. You see, I was in self. But I thank the Lord, like my wife said, that he is able to call to my heart even when I am in self. God wants to do that. He wants to save us from ourselves and the consequences of our selfish behavior. He wants to interrupt our train of thought and call to our hearts to surrender to him when we are straying from him through our sinful attitudes. And thine ear shall hear a word behind thee saying, This is the way, walk ye in it. Isaiah 30, 21. He has promised, and the Lord 
shall guide thee continually, Isaiah 58, 11. But the Holy Spirit can only do this if we are willing to be led. However, if we are intent on having our own way, if we ignore his call to our hearts, and you know, honestly, sometimes we not even realize it in the moment, but if we are willing and we ask him to make us more sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and to get through to us and to reveal to us when we are operating in the flesh and not in the spirit, he is eager to answer that prayer. Amen. And when he does, and we hear that still, small voice calling, we now have a choice to make. We can either surrender, in my case, my anger and frustration or agitation or whatever your sin is at the moment, and we can make that choice, not my will, but thy will be done. It is only after we make that choice and he pours his grace upon us to give us his power to overcome our flesh and the enemy and carry out his will with now a peaceful, surrendered heart. So now I'm praying. Because I'm now aware and I am convicted of my feelings of anger. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 12 says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation. So I confess to my wife that my problem is that I am angry that the family is not seeing it the way that I see it. You see, our situation was that months before, we had had a discussion as a family that was no longer fresh in my mind. It had to do with the fact that the previous year we had made more ministry commitments than we could handle. And this produced stress in my home. Balance is a real challenge. I know all of you know what I'm talking about. The family was suffering in different ways because of it. And as a family, we had prayerfully discussed and prayed and agreed on the number of ministry commitments that we would do per year and all that we thought was reasonable to do as faithful ministers without jeopardizing the well-being of our family. It's a tough thing to balance. Well, we had already scheduled that number of ministry commitments and the year had just begun. And my family wanted to answer these recent invitations the following year. Well, I totally forgot about this conversation, and I felt that my family in the moment was being unreasonable, and it seemed to me that they were making their decision based on not praying about it on the spot. And I believe that since these ministry requests were all within three to four hours from our home, we shouldn't consider them like we consider trips that are much further away from home. Well, as I talked with Maria, now, subdued by the Spirit and able to hear, she began to explain to me the impact on our family of balancing ministry, our children's educational and work pursuits, and our daily responsibilities. I was now able to understand and appreciate their desire to say no. You see, whether at home or away from home, my family puts a lot of effort into different aspects of our ministry that I am not aware of because I am out of the home working. So very frequently we have families that come to our home and we minister them into our home and I come home from work ready and eager and ready to share. They've been doing it all day long and I am just not aware 
of all of the work that they have put into ministry. Well, as soon as I realized this, I saw that the change that needed to be dealt with was the change in my heart. I surrendered the issue, and the conflict which I created was resolved. I was willing to surrender my views and to resolve the conflict. Conflict can arise very easily in the relationships of a person whose heart is not continually surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. This is because we are always serving one of two masters. And when Jesus is not reigning supreme in our hearts, the enemy is. And our natural pride and our selfishness rule. Proverbs 13.10 states, Only by pride cometh contention. When we are intent on having our own way or satisfying some selfish longing that we have and someone stands in the way, conflict will arise and we are naturally and immediately ready for combat. Humility, friends, is essential if we are to live together in harmony with others. When we are humble and we are focused on God's glory, and on serving and loving and giving others, we resist the enemy who loves to instigate conflict by encouraging our naturally self-centered and rebellious spirit to prevail, causing us to think only or primarily of ourselves. When we are consciously submitted to the Lordship of Christ, we are at rest. No matter what is happening around us, we can be at rest. This is a miracle of grace. And as long as we remain surrendered to Christ, nothing can disturb our peace. It is the most beautiful experience. I know you've experienced it. On the other hand, in our sinful human nature, selfishness and pride are natural, and they can be ever-present. When that is the case, we are apt to become agitated at the slightest provocation. For instance, we do not like to be told what to do. We find it offensive because of our natural pride and self-sufficiency. The most insignificant remark or incident can precipitate conflict when self is alive. Let me give you a personal example. For some odd reason, that I think has something to do with the way that my brain is wired, I prefer to drive in a left lane. If there's two lanes, if I have a choice, you're going to find me driving on the left lane. If I am um, driving and thinking about something else, as I am apt to do every time I'm driving, I'm not consciously thinking of what I'm doing, you will find me driving on the left lane. Now, it used to be years ago that when my husband would notice this behavior, he would immediately say, Maria, ch change to the other lane. And what do you suppose would be my response? Was it a gentle, yes, honey? <laughs> An immediate changing of lanes? No. I immediately felt provoked, and I thought, why should I? Who's at the wheel? You know, do you want to drive or is it me? 
course, I, I, didn't, I didn't say all those things, but that's what would come to mind, and my attitude would immediately change. Self would rise. And this would be, that attitude would be followed by a strong disagreement and, and a possible dispute that would go something like this. And, and before I read it, I'm, I'm reminded that when we, when we prepare our messages, whether it's just a marriage message or a single uh, message, we always discuss it in our living room. You know, after we've prepared our parts, uh, we come together. And when we prepared this message, we were sitting in the living room with our children. We wanted their, their input. And when we um, shared, what you were shared this share. illustration, they started laughing hilariously. And we, we thought it was not funny. I mean, <laughs> neither one of us was laughing as we were recalling and writing this down. But the reason they were laughing is that this, this happened when they were just little children. This would happen often, but it would happen often enough that they could almost finish the sentences for us. They remembered these conflicts that would occur when mom would be driving on the left lane and, mom, and dad would tell her to please change the, to the right lane. So as I would, self would rise up in me and that ungodly attitude would rule, this is what her next exchange would go like. Maria, you're not supposed to be driving in this lane. Why not? Uh, honey, this is to be used as the passing lane. So, I'm not driving slowly. Nobody needs to pass me. Well, well, the point is, you're not following the rules. You see, you should move over to the right lane when you're not passing someone. I am following the rules. There is no rule that says that I can't drive on the left lane. I prefer the left lane. Honey, honey, if the police see you, they, you'll get pulled over for insisting on staying in this lane. I will not get pulled over unless I were driving slowly, which I am not doing. There are cars behind us, and they would pass us if they could, but if you stay over here, you're blocking them, and they can't get past you. They have no business passing me. I am already driving with the general flow of traffic, which is already five miles above the speed limit. To pass me, they would have to speed, breaking the law. I'm not going to get a ticket from, for keeping others from breaking the law. <laughs> Obviously, it seems funny to you, too. <laughs> it wasn't funny to us every time we would engage in this conversation. But do you see the... the futility, the stupidity, really, of this process. You see, now we are no longer at rest. We are no longer a couple in harmony that is driving and enjoying conversation and sharing. Now we are in conflict, all because self is alive in me, and I am provoked by my husband telling me what to do. What is the solution? Learning to surrender in the moment to the perfect will of God. To stop, to have that restraint, to tune in to the voice, the same voice that we have been accustomed to listening to as we get into God's word every morning. and to breathe a prayer of surrender. 
You see, back in those days, I was in bondage, but I didn't even know it. I am sure that the still, small voice was calling to my heart with, with um, tender appeals, such as, be kindly affection one to another in brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. However, I was not tuned into that voice. I couldn't even hear it when I was in the middle of my agitation. Friends, I am happy to say that through the amazing work of God's grace, he has brought me, as my husband said, a long way as I am learning to surrender. I have learned that the way of my Lord is the way of peace, the way of happiness and harmony and total fulfillment. Now, I have to confess to you, I am still inclined to drive on the left lane. But you know what? I'm not married to it anymore. The difference is that now I have tasted the joy of surrender. And currently, when I'm unconsciously found driving on the left lane, and this happened again just, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, I was um, in the car. Actually, it wasn't yesterday because we were here yesterday, and it was at home. And I was in the car with one of my children. I think it was Joshua. And Joshua just said, Mom. <laughs> and I knew immediately, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now I do it readily. I have made that surrender many times through the years. And at first, it was downright painful. But now the devil finds no answering cord in my heart. It is my joy to yield to my husband or to yield to my children or to yield to the drivers behind me, choosing, preferring them, choosing their preference, their comfort, their benefit and convenience over my natural selfish inclination. Friends, there is sweet freedom in surrender. And again, I don't want to make it sound that I have achieved this in every... Um, every instance, but I can tell you that I am doing it with increasing frequency and finding more and more delight in prompt obedience to the call of the Spirit in my life. I delight to do thy will, O oh my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. That was the experience of Jesus. That was the experience of David. That can be the experience of each one of us. We don't have to be in bondage to the enemy or to our natural selfishness. There is no joy in selfishness. Do you, do you have joy when you fight it out and get your way? Do you really have joy? Not really. You may have a, a perverse satisfaction, but not joy. Because joy is the fruit of the Spirit. When we surrender to, um, to him, he is in control. But when we are intent on controlling the situation, the spirit is not in control, and joy is the fruit of the spirit. When we surrender to his will, our hearts can begin to beat in unison with the heart of God, which loves and gives and serves, rejoicing continually. For to be carnally minded, is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, Romans 8, 6. You know, it's 
my wife was sharing, Lord really called to my heart that sometimes in our relationships we are, get provoked because of certain behaviors that our spouse has, and we so desperately want to change them. You know how my wife changed me? She didn't. She focused on what the Lord would have her to do, and as I saw God working in her heart, it called to my heart. That's how you become change agents in your family. This works for boys and girls. It works for moms and dads. You can be a change agent in your home by allowing Jesus Christ to change you. That's the secret. The secret is not your way. The secret is his way. I just want to add something. Earlier, um, as you were sharing, you mentioned that um, in order to, for a marriage to become all that it can be, both partners need to be fully surrendered to Christ. And I just want to give a word of encouragement to those of you who are not in a relationship where you are working, uh, walking together with your spouse. Because friends, even one partner in the relationship that is fully surrendered to Christ and remains in that surrendered uh, state can bring immeasurable good into your home, even to that partner who is not surrendered to Christ. And more than anything, the immeasurable good is something that you experience yourself because in that experience of being surrendered to Christ, even though you are walking alone, you are entering into the sufferings of Christ and experiencing more intimacy with him than you could ever hope to if, if you give up. So please don't, don't give up, don't take heart, knowing that even though you cannot control your spouse, and there was a day when we were not walking together, and I tried for years, for years I tried to change my husband, for years I nagged him to, to lead our family in, in worship, and, and he, he would part of the time, and then it would go by the wayside, and then I would nag him again, and he would do it again, and then it would go by the wayside. But it was not until I decided, Lord, I want to serve you. I want to love you. I want to follow you. I want to be the best wife that I can be. I want to be the best mother that I can be. I want to do it for your sake. Because of my love for you, regardless of what my husband does or what my children, it was when I made that commitment, which is so totally a spirit-led commitment and a spirit-empowered commitment, that the most amazing results began to happen in our lives. Not, not overnight, but over time, God dramatically changed our home. Amen. That's an encouragement. I, I don't know about you, but it happens even in our home when our young people make a commitment that they will stand in a, some area for God. It affected the entire family, Amen. mom and dad included. We just want to encourage you that God wants us to be overcomers and to live a life of victory that brings wholeness into our marriages and every other relationship that we have. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Now, the Spirit of God works in man to subdue his passions and make him victorious over pride, envy, and selfishness. The same way that Peter walked on the water or the walls of Jericho 
fell down. And it's the same way that all the heroes of faith overcame their physical battles by faith, by taking a hold of the reviving power that God wants to offer to each and every one of those who plead for it and won't rest until they get it. We want to invite our children to come up as we want to close this message with a song of surrender. And as they're coming up, we wanted to leave with you a thought from Adventist Home, page 105. That is really directed to husbands and to wives. And this is what it says. Constantly behold him. And your love for him will daily become deeper and stronger as it is submitted to the test of trial. And as your love for him increases, your love for each other will grow deeper and stronger. What a promise. It's a promise that we can take a hold of.
This media was produced by Audioverse for Amen, Adventist Medical Evangelism Network. If you would like to learn more about Amen, please visit www.amensda.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.